This is the Attention Collection Podcast, a show dedicated to the art of paying attention, to the idea that awareness is ever-expanding, and to the core belief that everyone is capable of living a life worth noticing. I'm Anthony Garcia. So if you'll indulge me for a moment, I'd like to begin this episode with a confession. I'm a bit of a foodie, and not the creepy kind of foodie who flips through cookbooks like one might flip through a Playboy. Do they still print those? No. I'm a foodie in the sense that when we're planning a family vacation, while most people would scope out scenic views and historical landmarks and great places to take photos, I'm scoping out the restaurant scene. You know, I'm Googling things like best burgers in the area or food spots for locals. And one of my favorite games to play with friends is, hey, did you try that new place downtown yet? Oh, you haven't? It's okay. You know, just to rub it in because I got there first. And listen, do not get me started on chain restaurants. I once read an article about how millennials were single-handedly responsible for the demise of Applebee's, and honestly, I've never been more proud. But my foodiness has limits. I'm conversational when it comes to textures and cuisine mashups and beverage pairings, but I'm not an expert. When people start talking about flavor profiles and use terms like sous vide or mise en place, my eyes glaze over a little bit. And also, I don't like olives, so I'm pretty much disqualified from the category. Truth be told, my palate is nowhere near as refined as I'd like to think, but I know I'm not alone. Let's take wine, for instance. Just Google cheap wine versus expensive wine and see what you come up with. It turns out most people can't tell the difference. Most people pay the extra money to look fancy. You know, we might be able to point out characteristics like dry or fruity, but I'm willing to bet that most of us have never picked up a glass of wine and looking at a friend said something like, All right, so it looks like we have a white wine here. Um, It is star bright, no evidence of gas or sediment. It's a moderate intensity of a straw yellow color, maybe with some green flecks, and color is true to the rim. Have you ever swirled a glass of wine up to your nose and thought? All right, so on the nose here it is clean. I don't get any cork taint, nothing super funky. We have the orchard fruit, apple, quince, pear, some white flowers, a little bit of uh, citrus, lemon, This is a moderate plus to high intensity. It smells delicious. (laughs) There's a little bit of like some sort of malolactic as well. So I kind of get this clotted cream, dairy quality milk. Milk? Not once have I associated clotted cream with wine before. And I never would have sniffed out quince. In part due to the fact that I have no idea what quince is, but also because I'm not Victoria James, author, sommelier, and verified super taster. What you've been hearing is a blind taste test she did for 750 Daily, where she was tasked with identifying everything about this mystery wine, including its age and the region it comes from. 
So how'd she do? I got it right in some senses. So it is Burgundy, it is Chardonnay, it's France, and it is Premier Cru, um, but it's not Merceau. It's Chassagne Montrachet, it's Morgeau, and it's from 14. It's pretty delicious and pretty awesome. Well done, Victoria. Cheers. Well done, indeed. You know, in full disclosure, I have no desire to ever be a bona fide sommelier, but I do have a great deal of respect for the craft. I think it points to something bigger than an impressive party trick or the makings of a potentially lucrative career in the restaurant industry. It illustrates the brilliance of the human capacity. You know, the idea of being able to swish a liquid around in your mouth and then literally pinpoint its age and geographical origin is ludicrous. And yet it's true. But more than that, humans have a capacity to savor, to isolate subtleties in flavors and aromas, to literally appreciate that which nourishes us. I chose the word appreciate intentionally because we can do this in every sense of the word. You know, one definition of appreciate is to recognize the full worth of. Another definition is to be grateful for, to, to be grateful to enjoy a meal, to share food and drink with other people. The fact that it's even accessible in the first place. And then the third definition is a rise in value or price. So how does food rise in value or price as we enjoy it? Well, there's a book I've mentioned in this podcast before called Inner Engineering by a man named Sadhguru. You know, he describes a series of awakening experiences he had as a young man. And one of them kicked off right in the middle of lunchtime. He says this. On another day, I was having lunch. I put a morsel of food in my mouth and suddenly it exploded. At that moment, I was able to experience the miraculous alchemy of human digestion, the process by which an external substance, a piece of the planet, was becoming a part of me. We all know this intellectually, that part of the planet nourishes us, and our bodies in turn one day return to nourish the very same planet that once sustained us. Think about that. A piece of the planet, food, was becoming a part of me. In a sense, food that fuels and sustains takes on a second life through us. And we then in turn pay that forward as we contribute to the world around us and eventually as we go back to the earth from whence we came. When's the last time you thought this deeply about the food you consume? For me, the answer is not very often. In fact, unless I'm trying out a new restaurant or revisiting a favorite dish, much of my food consumption is a mindless activity. I wrote my own lunchtime epiphany down the other day says this, when is the last time you sat down to eat alone without a phone or a screen in front of you? Another way to ask this question, do you remember what food tastes like? And not just the nostalgia of meals gone by, actual real life food. 
It's embarrassing to recount the times in recent years that my lunch break at work has simply been a guilt-free reason to scroll. The food in front of me is just the setting. The blinking screen is the main course. I don't even think about chewing. And I would be nervous to watch the footage if it turned out that someone was filming the scene. It probably looks like a Nat Geo documentary of a beast in the savannah. What if I slowed down and brought awareness to each bite? And that, I suppose, is the question. What would mealtime awareness look like? I doubt very strongly that each bite would lead to teary-eyed bliss, you know, ecstasy. But I bet we would be a little more grateful. We forget how fortunate we are to have food whenever we want it. Never mind leftovers. You know, that concept of leftovers is completely lost on most of the population. I've scraped more food into the garbage disposal than many people on the planet have seen on their plates at one time. That is a sobering thought. But we also take for granted the miracle of taste. The ability to combine different flavors and textures to create an enjoyable sensation in our mouths that also happens to nourish our bodies. Another thing that this mindful approach to eating provides is a chance to slow down, to consider exactly what it is that we are consuming. It leads to questions like, what does this offer my body? How much of it do I need? And what had to happen for this to arrive at my plate? Who had a hand in it? And how is my consumption affecting the source from which it comes? What the hell is spam, actually? You know, whatever comes to mind. So it's easy to pontificate about things like this in front of a microphone, but I wanted to taste test this approach myself. So I tried it during lunch today. I sat down with my plate and I closed my laptop, yes. And I locked my phone. But before diving in, I looked down at the plate and paused to consider the food. Middle Eastern, lamb and beef and chicken with hummus, rice and veggies from one of my favorite places in the area. I noticed the grill marks and seasoning, the bright yellow rice, the colorful veggies. I noticed the competing aromas. And honestly, don't judge me. I thought about the farm's worth of animals that it took to make my meal possible. This whole process didn't take long at all, but I noticed a sense of gratitude settle in before I even took my first bite. And then came the distinct flavors, the creamy hummus, the bold presence of the garlic, the slightly gamey taste of the lamb. It was an exploration. A silent trip for one to another part of the globe, and I was the lucky recipient of recipes that have been passed down through the generations. It was honestly unlike any solo lunch I've ever experienced, and yet, it was me sitting in front of a paper plate, underneath the flickering glow of noisy, fluorescent lights in an otherwise empty room. 
In other words, it was normal. The only thing that changed was my attention. So while most of us will never go on to sommelier status, distinguishing between the subtle notes of grapefruit and Tuscan soil, we all have the ability to slow down and savor our food, and our lives for that matter. This can happen in the dining room of a fancy new restaurant downtown, or hunched over the kitchen sink, sneaking a midnight snack. The truth is we all have the ability to access a life that's worth noticing, worth savoring. It's all in the art of paying attention. And just like food, it's always best to share podcasts. So if you enjoyed this one, share it with somebody, spread the word, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And for those who don't have access, we're on Stitcher and on Spotify as well. We'd love for you to leave a review. I'd love to know what you are noticing. So in the show notes, there's a phone number. Leave a message. Tell me your story. And I would love to build a show out of it or just give you a shout out. Until next time.